It's a podcast! Thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Your host this week, myself, Lee and Reed. Hi. Uh, no Nick this week. He will be uh, joining us in subsequent weeks uh, for the remainder of the Metal Gear Solid conversation. But today he had some phone calls to make. I think he just and, hates uh, Metal Gear Solid too, Lee. I mean, it's it's a, it's divisive. It's divisive. I think... <laughs> I think at the end of the day... I, I uh, think it was divisive. I think now it's very uh, well-received. <laughs> Definitely. I, well, I think like even if you don't like it in, in terms of where it ranks for you in the Metal Gear Solid series, it's... Uh, like, honestly, it's when Kojima became Kojima as far as I'm concerned. And I think as far as most Western audiences are concerned, this was the one where, well, it's not enough that there's just solid gameplay anymore. Now he's fucking swinging for the fences with all these really out there concepts. And it started the, you know, it's only the second game of the Metal Gear Solid series. But already it was like, no, this is the last one. So it was like, yeah. he tried to cram all his crazy bullshit into this one game and then had to spend the rest of the series trying to explain yeah. things if you, that happened If you it. play the ending of Metal Gear Solid 2, the feeling that you get is, okay, that's it. That's the end of the series. Yeah. With, uh, with such lines as, uh, what do I have here? I hear it's amazing when the famous purple-stuffed worm in Flapjaw Space with the tuning fork does a raw blink on the Harikari Rock. I need scissors. 61. When Roy Campbell starts uh, saying things like that, you're like, no, this is all making sense. This is, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for it. Oh, uh, I need scissors. 61 is like one of my favorite video game quotes of all time. It's <laughs> real. It's a subtle one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure we'll get all into that in a bit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will. Uh, but without Nick here... Uh, and Reed, you did a pretty thorough job explaining the narrative of the story. I have a lot of questions about Metal Gear Solid 2 outside of that. But we're going to kind of do a regular episode for a little bit here before we switch back into Metal Gear. Uh, what have you been playing? Well, Lee, I have, uh, of course, been continuing on Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, I finally got a couple party members now, and that's when the game really hits its stride, in my opinion, and you start having a nice. wide variety of moves. I now have a couple of different job options for my characters. Uh, and just, like, how wacky and goofy it is is so great. Like, your mage character throws, like, fucking pigeons and shit at dudes. Uh, it's really funny. Um, like, I, I don't want to go into spoilers because I know you still plan on playing the game. Definitely, yeah. Um, I'm but, getting there. <laughs> uh, but it's one of the most fun, exciting uh, JRPG parties I've seen in a very long time. Like, I won't say any spoilers, but you're basically looking at, like, these three fucking middle-aged, like, losers, and you're like, why? What? Like, Persona, you're playing a bunch of 15, 16-year-olds, and for the most part, that's very par for the course in these kinds of games. Cool, sexy teens. Right? Yeah, even in, like, Final <laughs> Fantasy X, Orin's only, like, 32 years old or some shit. Um, so to be playing, like, like 40, 50, 60-year-olds is fucking hilarious, and I love it. Um... And another thing is just how obsessed the main character is with Dragon Quest and how how they integrate that in such a simple way into the main core gameplay. And that's why the game is an RPG is because, in my opinion anyway, is because the main character envisions, it, envisions his combat situations as such. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I was thinking this morning when I woke up, and I have no idea why I was thinking of this other than I'm, I'm deeply embroiled in the game. Uh, but to simply reduce the older Yakuza games to just a beat-em-up or a brawler is is not entirely fair. Like, those games are as much RPGs as any game. The the gameplay, the actual, the actual fighting is in action, yes. But if you don't grind, if you don't level up your abilities uh, to fit your playstyle, like any RPG, you will find yourself quickly failing. Of course, in Yakuza... Uh, you can take the time during certain parts of the game to really over-level yourself. Uh, so all the story encounters are just that. You get to do these sweet, uh, very cinematic, sweeping uh, combat sequences with badass music playing. But then when you get back to the main game, there are more challenging things to, to suss out. And I hope you're doing all the side content as it pops up for you. Yeah, I've played a couple things. I've done like this cart minigame. Um, I've done some pachinko machine stuff. And pachinko machines. Do you know... Uh, so pachinko and gambling in Japan is uh, is illegal. You can't directly... Uh, so you pay money, you get the balls in the pachinko parlor, and then those balls you cannot exchange for money there at the parlor, but there are places nearby, Yakuza Run, typically, uh, that will exchange those for credits or groceries and stuff like that. 
So when you play video games, when you play specifically Japanese uh, RPGs, and even Pokemon has this with the, the coin thing, right? You convert your money yeah. into coins, and then you go next door, think about it, and you redeem those those then uh, your, your slot coins for prizes. That's how Pachinko works. It's fucking... It's like, I'm going to go gamble and hopefully get enough uh, to, to buy my groceries with this shit. Is uh, yeah. kind of interesting. The other games yeah. don't have it. There's no Pachinko in uh, earlier the earlier Yakuza games anyways. Yeah, I haven't come across a, a whole ton of mini games yet. Like I'm still under the ten hour mark, I think. Um, the thing Slow about burn. yeah, the thing about JRPGs with me especially is I have to like if it doesn't like grip me instantly with that story and that gameplay, uh, it, it takes me a while to like fully go through with the game. Yakuza admittedly has not gripped me like that, but that's my preconceived notions of what I like about JRPGs. I I like pretty classic Final Fantasy kinds of things, and this is very different from that. So it's going to take me a bit to ease into how different it is. Um, I'm glad you're sticking with it. Besides that, I have been playing recently a lot of Halo Master Chief Collection with a bunch of guys what at work. What the fuck? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty sick actually. So yeah, got few guys at work now that have been playing. We played last night three of us. Yeah, we are doing. Man, like it's it's like you go into man, you go into Halo Two Anniversary. Sorry, I'm just providing you a, a bed of music. Here. <laughs> you go into Halo Two Anniversary like free free for all. You're doing shoddy snipes. Some guy comes over and teabags you, and a single tear rolls down your eye, and you're like, "Baby, yeah. I'm back. I'm back." You turn to dust. You're getting so old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, it's a game that revolutionized the console FPS. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, absolutely it did, though, like, unironically that. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely worth the 50 bucks I threw down for it on Steam. Uh, you get seven games, seven campaigns, and six multiplayers, which is absolutely crazy for 50 bucks, in my opinion, especially yeah. considering this is the only place you can get Halo 2 Anniversary, which, holy shit, it looks better than Halo 3. Uh, absolutely fantastic-looking game. What a... What a a uh, great job they did with the with like the remake remaster whatever you want to call it. The gameplay for all games is very tight. It's all Halo. Like it's just it feels right. Sniping's always fun. Just good old fashioned Halo fun. The customization options for Reach and Halo Four, etc., are very vast and numerous. Uh, there's not much else to report on that front. I'm sure everybody listening has played Halo before, and it's ex- yeah. So. So that collection didn't initially have all those games. They kept adding to it over time. And when it launched, it had huge fucking issues. Like, huge matchmaking issues. People would be, like, uh, lining up for Slayer in Halo uh, 2. They'd find themselves in, a like, a King of the Hill in Halo 3. And suddenly all the friends that were in their party disappeared. Like, there was fucking insane shit yeah. uh, going on with that game at launch. But uh, it seems like they've mostly ironed that out. Oh, it's, it's totally fine. Like, yeah. I literally just, I get uh, Nick or Andrew to hop in. I go to social games. I put on what game or games. You can select multiple games. And then the game modes that you want. And it shows you in a random playlist. And it'll keep queuing. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, whenever we want, usually when me and Andrew hop on, we're just going on to Halo 2 Anniversary, put on shoddy snipes, and, yeah, have some fun. Is Halo... So, so like, when 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 it was coming up, did you play Halo as it was being released, or are you, are you retroactively experiencing uh, the Halo? Yes and no to that. So, when Halo was releasing first for the original Xbox, Halo and Halo 2, it was more of, like, a mythical thing around... I grew up in a really small town with very few amount of people, uh, so Very was, few Spartans. Yeah, so, like, everybody had PS2s. Like, everybody. Uh, there's one Kill guy... Zone, baby. Yeah, there's one guy <laughs> that no one was friends with that had a that had an Xbox with Halo. And that was the only real exposure anybody's ever had to that when I was a kid growing up. Now, that yeah. being said, then the 360 came about and Halo 3 came out. So, everybody had Xbox 360s, so, so did I. And I got Halo 3. So, I played through Halo 3. I played a fuck ton of Halo 3. You finished the fight, yeah finish the fight yeah then uh played halo reach when halo reach came out halo reach is a fantastic video game what a great campaign uh enjoyed the hell out of it did not put in the amount of hours into that that i did with halo 3 and that was basically the end of my halo journey i did not play yeah, like- halo i did not play halo 4 i did not play halo 5 uh so i'm coming back now and i do plan on playing through the campaigns because they lo- all look very short and fun so yeah i'm curious of what you think of the campaigns of halo 4 and 5 because I, I was just miserable the whole time yeah I've, I've seen story summaries of halo 4 and 5 and it's definitely very different from uh the first three in reach and stuff like that um but i'm going into yeah, it with an open mind 
like obviously the multiplayer is fucking prolific. There was an, uh, a ser- uh, there was a stretch of years before Call of Duty Four kind of came back and, and fucking took that torch uh, for the console FPS. But like Halo was it, man. And like, I think those... Halo Two like defined a yeah. generation. The, like the multiplayer, great. The split screen, fantastic. Uh, back when that was all the rage. But those co op campaigns, in my opinion. Uh, really offered a lot of freedom. How fun was it to, like, fucking buddy up in a warthog? Like, I'll drive. You go in the... You yeah. got the rocket launcher. You go in the passenger seat. You take the turret in the back. And then the guy who's driving is just, like, fucking all over the place flipping that shit. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, Halo's great yeah. uh, for that. ODST is, is my favorite Halo. It's got a lot of uh, neat lore and kind of noir-esque uh, elements to it when you're, you're playing as the main character in that game. And then a lot of the action sequences are actually handled in flashback. And what's really cool and why I'm trying to get you to play that game is the flashback sequences you play as a Spartan and you have all your abilities uh, and you're strong and you're a badass. But when you're playing as your main character in that game, you are not a Spartan. Uh, and as such, they made you like feel very vulnerable. And the switching between those two characters uh, in combat situations is actually fucking very neat. Um, yeah, best trailer so yeah. ever, by the way. If that live action ODST trailer, woo! Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah. Man, Halo. Uh, if only they could. I mean, the new Halo, from what we've seen of it, just looks like, hey, hey, do you remember Halo 1 and 2? Uh, we sure do, but now there's a grappling hook. It looks like it's kind of trying to cash in on that, trying to go back to basics, and that's all good and fine. Uh, yeah. But the direction that that series was headed with Halo 4 and 5 was just like, no, 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 something no, something uh, more was needed here. <laughs> Master Chief story, yeah, in my opinion, Master Chief story was complete. I don't think there's anything more needed out of him. I, obviously, right. 343 was dealt kind of a shitty hand because Halo 3 did set up, like, something. Um, but, yeah, I would have, the smart play, obviously, in hindsight, hindsight being what it is, would have been just to start a, a fresh new series. They were going that direction with Halo well, Reach anyway. Yeah, so. and, like, Master Chief was never completely written off, right? It's like, start the new series, do a game or two, and then bring him back. Yeah, bring him back uh, as, like, the mentor character or some bullshit. Seemed like the way to go. Instead, it's just like, oh, so, shit's still fucked. So, sorry, Chief, we have yeah. to pick you how, up again. Yeah, how, and you look up how and you look cool, down. Yeah, how cool would it have been in, like, you do Halo 4 where you're, like, this new recruit or whatever the fuck bunch of shit happens halo 5 rolls around you're stranded on a planet and god damn it the only person on this planet is the master chief and he basically like you know helps you and mentors you into more of a don't follow the military follow your instincts kind of role and uh that would have been a lot yeah. simpler a lot more personal and inhuman um the stuff with Cortana, I just don't feel attachment to personally. Like, oh man! Yeah, I, the idea that they were rolling that out at the same time they were rolling Cortana out IRL in like Windows 10 as like a Siri esque assistant. It's like, yeah, here's here's uh, here's Cortana. Get to know her. She's gonna be helping you out. And then the next thing they do is release a game where she's a rampant AI. Like fucking shit yeah. up. Seemed kind of a yeah, strange choice. Yeah, it gets kind of stupid like that. So yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying the Halo. Anything else? Oh, that's been about it. I wait. Does that mean you have Game Pass? No, I don't. Oh shit, man! You should just got the Game Pass. Yeah, the, probably. The Master Chief Collection is included. Uh, but yeah, uh, I keep. Fuck, I keep debating my head if I should go back to Destiny Two. I know I shouldn't. Oh no. And that's about it. That's all I got to report on my what I'm playing. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so I've been uh, working through Octopath. I have overcome the boss that was beating my ass. So the way the difficulty spikes in Octopath uh, is that at a certain point, there's no amount of enfeebling and uh, powering up of your units you can do. The bosses just dump massive damage. Oh. Uh, so you're you're sort of looking for an offensive spread at that point. It depends on the boss, obviously. Uh, but this boss I was fighting, it was basically like, no, 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 you need to break them uh, via hitting them with weaknesses as quickly as possible. Uh, because sitting there and healing your party up to full and then making an assault means you lose. Uh, so I, I think it's really interesting that Octopath, a game I've put 50 hours into, according to my save file, uh, is still kind of making me change up my playstyle and be more aggressive later on. And if uh, I think I've grinded uh, sufficiently now to finish all the... So I don't have to do this. I'm doing every single <laughs> Wait, might, act of every character. You might be the only person ever who has beat Octopath Traveler. Yeah, like, there, you can critical path it. I can go right to the end, uh, and presumably maybe even those bosses... The, the end boss would be easier than these bosses I'm fighting now. Uh, but I've come this far. I have this strong of a party. I've, I've kind of deduced how to best min-max my characters in that game. And there's a function in the game, of course, where you can break the uh, the upper damage limit. So I feel like I've come this far. I want to break that 9999 damage 
and uh, beat this game. The game is gorgeous. It sounds great. The game has everything going for it except for a enthralling story. Just straight up. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing it's missing, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, and then gotta... other than that... Uh, Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going uh, Working say. my way through uh, the Monster Train, still doing the daily challenges. Yakuza Kiwami 2, I've pushed forward in the story there. Uh, great, great game. And then Destiny 2, you son of a bitch. You mentioned it the other day. Uh, so I grabbed that patch and I loaded in, did a couple Beyond Light missions and kind of saw what the, uh, the status of things were. Uh, I'm thinking about buying that season pass. I'm thinking <laughs> about playing some Destiny 2. Uh, man, I know, it's just, I know. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, but with me with MMOs, I can jump in and out. I like I mostly solo in Destiny anyway, oh, uh, and I get my too. fun out of it. Like I'm fine to just build my character and get the things I want and experience the parts of the game I care no. about. I don't need to raid. I don't need to experience every exotic quest line. I just don't. I don't need raids, but like it drives me crazy if it's like, oh, if you do like X amount of strikes per week, you can get this engram, and if I don't do that every week, I'll be like so fucking pissed about it. Uh, it's <laughs> well, it's such a yeah. time sink, but man, like that shooting mechanics, it's just so good. The the issue I have with Destiny is is the running is the like uh, upkeep is like grabbing the bounties and making sure because like all, ultimately you could load in, you could immediately start in a strike playlist and and get that engram, but it behooves you to go to the tower first and grab some bounties, or even go to the different planets and get bounties there, so that you're getting even more exp. Uh, especially depending on how how long you're going to play each week, because you get an EXP bo- boost uh, for the first few levels of every week, especially if you're in the season pass, that's relevant. Um, so so the, the issue with Destiny is, you if you don't feel you're playing optimally at all times, it bums you out, and I completely understand that, uh, because I'm the same way. It's like, well, if I'm going to run these strikes, I better make sure I have weapon bounties and vanguard bounties and stuff like that, or what the fuck are we doing here? Like, I'm, I'm literally wasting time. I'm leaving experience points on the table. Yeah. Uh, and Destiny has always been that, so... Yeah, it's, it's 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 a job. It's an addiction. I can't, I can't fucking shake it. It still haunts me to this day. <laughs> uh, they've changed some stuff in the UI. They've definitely sped up the cursor speed and done a lot to make the game snappier, even after... I guess they did a bigger patch recently with the the new season. It seems like they're now making good on hey we're gonna we're gonna vault some of these planets, and that will mean we can actually improve the performance of the game overall. It I can I can see the fucking difference. Like since the last time I logged in, and I'm just playing on PlayStation 4 Pro, mind you, uh, it's it's way snappier. Even the loading and stuff like yeah, that. Apparently, seems like the PS5 upgrade for Destiny is very good. Oh, like the game is still gorgeous on top of that. Like it's HDR compatible. Uh, if you've got a nice TV for it, goddamn, uh, is that a that a good looking game? If you like planets hanging in the yeah, sky, yeah. When I was pl- like when I did play it on PC, it was fucking gorgeous, especially when you can run it at like 90, 100, 120 frames per second. Woo! Yeah, just throwing up. Yeah. You're just like, oh my god, it's gorgeous! <laughs> <laughs> it's so gorgeous. <laughs> uh, we have a number of news stories today. Let's run through them quick so we can get to some Metal Gear Solid. Reed, have you been following the uh, the skyrocketing success of this game called Valheim? I've heard about it. I see it on Steam every time I open the thing. Um, yeah, I, I love the Norse aesthetic and everything. It's just I I'm not a huge survival game fan. Yeah, if, fair if I had a fuck ton of people to play with me and we could really make like an RP server and stuff like that, that would be really fun. Uh, so apparently, people are most comparing it to like early WoW, not in terms of the survival mechanics, but in terms of the interactions with other players and like h- how you feel out. Uh, of the game uh, and like so it's up to 10 players on a server uh, brutal exploration and survival game it is self-described as set in a procedurally generated purgatory inspired by Viking culture uh, battle build and conquer your way uh, to a saga worthy of Odin's patronage so this is also in early access uh, so there's a lot of tutorial stuff not included in the game it's like 23 bucks Canadian or some of that man I've been hemming and hawing about just grabbing this game because can you run it <laughs> I, no, you can't rent it, but you can you can buy it no, in early access, it. and then when can the you, game can you is run up, it? <laughs> oh, can I run it? Yes, yeah. Oh, I can run. I can run this game. My laptop's uh, pretty decent. Well, fuck, I'd play that with you. <laughs> well, it's it, like this game doesn't. It's not a graphical powerhouse either. Like the, when I yeah. say it looks like early WoW, I'm like, there's a lot of lighting and uh, particle effects and stuff that make it look prettier than it is. It's got a look. It's got an aesthetic. Let's say. Um, I might grab this. Maybe this weekend. We'll see. Uh, but I'm hearing great things. People who are loving this game are are going fucking head over heels into this shit. And they sold something like 3 million copies of this thing already, and it's not even out. So Damn. 
the power of the internet, man. You uh, you release a thing that does the thing that people want. It, that, that fucking strikes that nerve, and, and people are in. Um, yeah, fucking Vikings. What can you say? Vampires. Vampires. Uh, let's, let's continue with yeah. Let's continue through the V encyclopedia. Uh, va- vampire. Uh, the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 has been delayed indefinitely as Paradox Interactive announces that Hardsuit Labs is off the project. Now, this isn't like they just started working on this, Read This game has been in production for five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know a lot about Vampire the Masquerade. I've seen the Seth video about it. Um, but from what I know, it's a very well-beloved cult classic, very intricate RPG. So I think they parted ways last year, late last year, with the writer of the game or something, and it was like not a uh, amicable split. It was like some bad blood kind of stuff. And now to hear that the entire development team uh, is being replaced is is not good news for that game. And something that doesn't happen very often. Usually a game would just be canceled, right? Yeah. Um, at, at that point, but uh, you know, good on them. That game could be really cool. Uh, we don't know. That first vampire game is, is like you said, a cult classic, like like in the vein of Deus Ex. Man, we're so, going to be talking about a lot of vampires today. It's going to be all vampires. Vampires, all vamp. vamps. Yeah. Yeah, vamp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grand, speaking of delays, Gran Turismo 7, I don't know if you were expecting that this year, but I that will be delayed fuck, to 2022. I could not give less than a fuck about Gran Turismo. I think racing games are like, fuck, who plays racing <laughs> games? <laughs> Uh, simulation simulation racing is something I very quickly knew wasn't for me. I prefer a more arcadey experience, like a burnout, if I have to play it. Um, yeah, see, racing games are just kind of like tech s- demos for the graphics now, even right? You like, said, <laughs> even you said there, you go, if I have to play it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not the it's not my it's yeah. not my favorite. Yeah, uh, Gran Turismo's also been on kind of the skids, man. Let's be honest here. Like GT Sport was a fucking wet fart of a game, and like. Did anybody... I understand what they were trying to do with it, but <laughs> in terms of a premier racing game, like Forza, specifically Horizon, is probably... They have a firm grasp on the market, and they should leave it at that. Like, remember the crew? Of course you don't. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I played the crew. <gasps> uh, open world racing game? Come on, Reed. Uh, I'm just remembering back to... Uh, to uh, fuck, fucking Driver on, like, PS1 and PC. Yeah, just all and these just, like, garbage fucking racing games. <laughs> Just playing a game where you could drive anywhere you wanted and do anything was a uh, enough of a pull back then. Like, I wouldn't even go through the missions and driver. I would just drive around the city. Oh, yeah, no, I couldn't. <laughs> I drive her, too. All you do is steal the secret cars, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Well, in the first driver, you couldn't even get out of your car. You had one car, baby. That's, uh, <laughs> you, that's you, it. You drive through a red light, and it's just like, oh, fuck, send all the cops at this guy. <laughs> get him. Uh, there was that bridge that went up, like, for ships to pass yeah. under, and you could, like, jump that shit. Yeah, that's the stuff. El Shaddai Ascension. Uh, have you ever heard of the game called El Shaddai? No. Man, so I have a I have a story with this game. This game came out on like the 360 and PS3 back in the day. It's being re-released on PC. It more or less plays like the old God of War games uh, and deals a lot with, with deities and stuff like that. I played this game during a raging thunderstorm one night and got pretty far in it. And it's, it's a trip, man. This also came out around the same time as... Uh, what's that Capcom game? Azura's Wrath? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Asura's uh, Wrath. Asura's Wrath, sorry. sorry. Da, yeah. It was around da, that same da, time da, when it was... Da, da, <laughs> things, seemed, uh, <laughs> things seemed like getting a little experimental uh, from out of Japan. Yeah. Like, let's, get, let's get weird with Fuck it. Fuck it. Uh, speaking of experimental, near replicant version 1.22474487139 will be releasing in April, and there's a new trailer out for it. If you're uh, interested in, I think we're both picking up that game, right? Yeah, like we're way too big of Automata fans not to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I tried playing the original uh, North American Nier back in the day and got a little ways into it, uh, but now going back with a uh, an ass full of automata, I think will change up my perspective on it. Plus, this is a game we haven't played before. This is the Japanese version of that game, yeah. so the the main character is a completely different guy. Yeah. Um, Star Wars: Republic Commando, uh, a game that apparently a lot of people like. I've never played it. It's Have you? Fu- uh, I play a little bit of it, and I've seen playthroughs of it, and it's just like. Like, in in the context of Star Wars, Lee, it's fucking unbelievable. Because you're this badass commando, and they have the RoboCop intro, essentially, where, like, the cloning alien lady is just like, man, you see all these other clones? They're your brothers, but they fucking suck. You are the best. Look how fucking awesome you are. You're going to be a badass. It's just like the opening of RoboCop, when that guy is telling RoboCop he's going to be a fucking badass motherfucker. Uh... 
Well, so you get to I'll use you, know that. you get to use gritty yeah, guns. You get to slash robots and bug aliens, and you get blood all over your visor, and your visor auto wipes it off. Like at the time, especially in Star Wars, when fucking Phantom Menace just came out and shit, like this was crazy. <laughs> uh, well, it's definitely not when Phantom Menace came out because this was two thousand five. Attack of the Clones <laughs> came out. It was between Attack of the Clones <laughs> and uh, Revenge. Uh, so this game is being re-released on the PS4 and Switch, meaning you'll also be able to play it on your PS5. I don't know if a PC version... Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, yeah of course Windows. it does. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, so that game's being re-released, man. Yeah. Uh, so I might, might fucking check it out. Yeah, if it's cheap, I absolutely recommend it. It's just a good old-fashioned first-person shooter with some tactical stuff like Rainbow Six. It's really neat. Oh, man, they got uh, um, Django Fett, the actor. Who played Django Fett? Tamora Morrison. Yeah, he's he plays in uh, like all the video games. <laughs> right, and then he's Boba Fett in Mandalorian. That's correct. Yeah, and then the real Boba Fett from the original trilogy recently passed away. I believe. Uh-huh. Bummer. Well. Something like that. Uh, new PlayStation State of Play live stream coming uh, tomorrow. In fact, uh, so thirty minutes. To th- uh, we're going to get 10 games for the PS4 and PS5. They say new announcements as well as elaborating on games we've already seen. So uh, let your imagination run wild that we see something about God of War Ragnarok here. Oh. Uh, more than likely, we're going to see more Ratchet & Clank uh, Horizon probably Final in this Fantasy. thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Square's out there talking about Final Fantasy and saying... Uh, I guess apparently they're getting feedback that the action gameplay is too hard? No, that sounds like a good thing to because it's the action director from Del May Cry. Uh, that's what I heard anyway. Is that they got the combat director from Del May Cry Five to come do the combat for Final Fantasy Sixteen, which, in my opinion, was absolutely the right direction to take this. I think I think Final Fantasy Seven Remake was a huge step up from Fifteen, but I think they yes. can go even further than that, especially if they're doing what I think they're doing, and that's only one playable character. Uh, in that case, you can absolutely ramp up the combo system and we'll really just make it a character action. Yeah, game really that. make it a, a character action with heavy RPG elements. I'm hoping at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna, if they insist on taking Final Fantasy in the action direction, uh, because apparently turn-based RPGs are just like your your fucking grandfather's video game at this point, uh, then yeah, I mean, obviously offering uh, offering like an easier mode uh, for people who yeah. are bouncing off that. I, 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 like, I haven't heard anyone personally. Uh, put off by the difficulty of Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I would say it requires a level of skill that previous Final Fantasy games yeah, maybe I loved, do not. I thought uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake's combat was the highlight of the entire game, even. I mean, <laughs> when you look at the sum of its parts, <laughs> yeah. That and the actual look of the game, like the, the actual rendering yeah, of, of, the, of Midgard. Gorgeous yeah. game, yeah. Uh, Tony Hawk... Uh, you might know from driving around neighborhoods, asking kids to do kickflips, and then giving them headphones out of the back of the car. <laughs> uh, his his game, Pro Skater 1 and 2, is coming to the PS5, Xbox Series X, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, so Activision just milking them remakes. Uh, that's a great remake, though, so check that out. Speaking of remakes, BlizzCon. BlizzCon. Well, it's a BlizzCon. <laughs> uh, BlizzCon was this previous weekend. We learned all about Diablo 4's newest class, The Rogue. Uh, it seems like asymmetrical gameplay in terms of what class you choose in Diablo 4, which sounds kind of fun. That each class is, is a distinctly different way of playing. Uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected has been c- uh, c- confirmed, coming to major consoles and stuff like that this year. Uh, Reed, do you have an affinity for Diablo 2? Nope. <laughs> Straight fucking up. No, nope. Fucking nope. <laughs> uh, so everything that they're improving in the game is basically placed over a working version of the old game because you can switch between the graphical modes, uh, meaning the animations and stuff like that will be a bit stilted, as the as people would want, I assume. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, they also talked about Overwatch 2, um, which just had some redesigns of some of the characters that just look like alternate costumes of the existing characters. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that game ends up being. Are they expecting people to shell out... Eighty dollars for the the same game again? Will it be? They a, haven't made. I don't know. They haven't made it clear exactly what the fuck Overwatch Two is, so I'm waiting to see. <laughs> and then uh, Metallica performed, and uh, to avoid a copyright strike, they uh, dubbed elevator music over top of Metallica. So that's that's good. It was if they're pointing out a Saint Anger, it's probably for the best. Yeah, <laughs> just, just put it right over. Lars top. just cancels oh, the fucking show in between, and he's just like, "Fuck, <laughs> come on, you're off key." <laughs> Crown King, nothing. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Watch the, uh, you watch the trailer for that new Mortal Kombat movie? I did. 
Fuck. Yeah, sure. Looks good as hell. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, and then finally this week for the news, Nintendo had a direct that was pretty massive. 50 minutes of it. Maybe didn't have everything people were looking for. Uh, they announced the new Smash character, which will be Pyra, a.k.a. Uh, Mithra. I guess when you do an alternate costume... Everybody disliked that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's Xenoblade fans, but uh, in terms of sword characters and Smash Brothers, for me, Smash Brothers would always benefit from throwing old fuckers in there versus someone new from a game. Uh, so even having Joker from Persona in there doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Uh, whereas, like, to fill out that roster, consider the Ice Climbers are on it and what that game, that series started as. Obviously, if we're making a march to 100 characters in this fucking thing and doing five different seasons of DLC characters, well, then you have to have some filler on the sides. Uh, but I think the short form, uh, hyping a character that's from one game, uh, that was like a flash in the pan. Like, Xenoblade 2 did not sell fucking gangbusters, at least in the West, uh, for the Nintendo Switch. To pick a character from there seems... Like, when people have been asking for Golden Sun to be represented in terms of a character here, like putting Isaac in the game, or consider, uh, you know, older Final Fantasy characters. We have Cloud and Sephiroth, sure, but putting Terra in the game or putting an Onion Knight in the game would mean a little more if you have man, to insist so on many, a sword character. There's so many games that are technically on the Switch that you could... Man, Doom Guy, Geralt, uh, fucking Dante from Devil May Cry. Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Um, yeah, Knuckles the Echidna. Uh, yeah, like look, uh, at all, look at all these fucking games. Put some Rune Factory characters in there, shit. Put some Harvest Moon characters in there. Uh, right, no, you're right. The farmer from Harvest Moon is an a- absolutely great Smash character choice. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if we're talking about third parties. In first parties, like Waluigi isn't this fucking thing yet, but you have two characters from Xenoblade, like fucking two now? Yeah, who gives a uh, shit about Xenoblade? <laughs> uh, again... You know, someone does, uh, and and they're being served here. Uh, whatever. Uh, Sakurai will be along to to give his like weird side video where he explains all their mechanics later. Uh, but man, the one thing we didn't fucking need is sword characters, and it's been mostly sword characters. Do you consider Steve from Minecraft a sword character? No. On some level, you have to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Nintendo is bringing some Famicom era old school murder mystery games uh, to the Switch. Um, they're going to be, what's it called? The, it's called like the Famicom Detective Club. So it looks like some early visual novel shit, adventure game stuff. Miitopia is being ported to the Switch. A new Mario Golf game will be out that has a full RPG campaign. So I know Reed's picking that up. <laughs> uh, you're, they already had you at Mario Golf. And yeah. they're like, full RPG campaign golf. Yeah. And you're like, well. As soon as they said so. golf on a Nintendo console, I was like, fuck, I guess I better buy that. They showed that fucking mode where it's basically like everybody plays the green at the exact same time. Uh, so you can just like constantly be fucking with your opponents as you as you play golf is pretty cool. Uh, Ninja Gaiden Trilogy will be will be fucking being released on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. Animal Crossing gets Mario update. Uh, that's tonight at like 8 p.m. Central. Uh, there was no new news of Breath of the Wild 2. And it was announced in the strangest way with uh, Umora or whatever coming out and just being like, Hey, uh, so I know you're all excited. Uh, to hear about Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, but nope, that won't be happening. Uh, here's Skyward Sword for the Switch. Here's the worst Zelda game for the Switch. Uh, so they're re-releasing Skyward Sword. They got some Joy-Cons to go along with that. People were expecting a little more out of them in terms of it being Zelda's 35th anniversary. But it's clear that COVID's fucked them up. No mention of Metroid, Metroid Prime 4. No mention of Bayonetta 3. And some other stuff they've announced. They announced a new tactical RPG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Project Triangle Strategy or whatever. There's a demo out now, but that game's not out until next year. Uh, weird. They take their time with their games, and then they release it. It's a great package. If that game can deliver on a story, which seems like the thing they're focusing on, based on that trailer, is just, like, alternate story paths and, uh, you know, replayability, that game looked fucking cool as hell. Yeah, uh, so it looks like Final to... Fantasy Tactics, my favorite genre of video games, yeah. is, clo- Battle, is, like that. is clones yeah. of Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> You know, at a certain point, if it ain't broke, Reed. Yeah, like people. <laughs> if Square Enix isn't willing to give us Final Fantasy yeah, Tactics like, too, people are someone like, else like people are like, oh man, you should go play XCOM too. And you know that Drake meme of like the no and the yes. Yeah. It's so, like no to games like XCOM, but yes to games that are just clones of Final Fantasy Tactics. Dude, XCOM's really good. No, I, I like. Played it? I played. It. I like. Yeah. It, but it, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't hit that. That itch that Tactics does. It needs more swords. <laughs> Put some swords in that fucking game. Sign me up. And then Nintendo released a very confusing teaser trailer that ended up being the announcement of Splatoon 3, which will also be out in 2022. So, 
kind of a mystery in terms of what Nintendo has for the end of the year. A Pokemon announcement is heavily rumored this week based on relatively nothing, Reed. Uh, but, you know, these these rumors have been true before, so we'll, we'll hold out hope. Obviously, people are thinking that the remakes of Diamond and Pearl are going to be announced for later this year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Without further ado, uh, we're going to join Reed from last night, where he recorded a story summary of Metal Gear Solid 2. We're going to cut to that, right? Hey, hey, Reed here again with the next installment of our story summary of the Metal Gear Solid series. Today we're going over just Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty for the PlayStation 2. Uh, let's get right into it. There's a lot to go over in regards to Metal Gear Solid 2. It's definitely one of the most uh, thematic of the games. It goes into a lot of concepts, post-truth politics, fake news, alternate facts, echo chambers... Memes, social engineering, political conspiracies, censorship, artificial intelligence, existentialism, postmodernism, virtual reality. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to go over in regards to this game. Anyway, so Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty takes place two years after the Shadow Moses incident of Metal Gear Solid 1. In 2007, Solid Snake and Otacon have now formed an organization known as Philanthropy, and they have vowed to destroy or dismantle any Metal Gear Solids, or Metal Gear Solids, any more Metal Gears in the future. Uh, so basically, once they hear word that the U.S. Army is secretly building an anti-Metal Gear Metal Gear named Metal Gear Ray, Solid Snake sneaks onto the tanker in the Manhattan Bay to basically take pictures and upload it to Otacon so he can let it be known to the world and they can destroy it. Unfortunately, while Solid Snake is on the tanker, it's also invaded by Russians. Russians led by the none other than Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. So Snake makes his way through the uh, tanker stealthily and sneakily. He eventually gets his pictures that he wants and sends them to Otacon. Unfortunately, uh, and also he has to have a boss fight quick with Olga. Uh, you can only do non-lethal with her because you only have the tranquilizer pistol at this point. So she's forced to live and there's good reason for this. Anyway, Ocelot, uh, at the end of the tank mission, essentially betrays his Russian allies, and uh, because he's his fucking arm that he lost from the first game is now Liquid Snake's arm. Essentially, Liquid Snake, or his persona at least, takes over the fucking will of Ocelot. We're like we're getting some deep anime shit here. <laughs> and makes him escape with Ray. Even his voice turns back to classic, uh, classic, um, liquid snake, whatever he's possessed by him. It's really fucking weird. Anyway, two years after that, so 2009, um, there's a environmental disaster, the Big Shell. Unfortunately, this is just a cover-up, actually. The members of Dead Cell, an elite, uh, U.S. military force, has taken over the facility, supposedly, supposedly being led by Solid Snake. Or that's at least what they're calling themselves. So to circumvent this, Special Unit Foxhound sends in Raiden to essentially take care of the situation, rescue the t hostages, and disarm the terrorists. Um, so while he's going through the facility, he runs into a couple members of a surviving Navy SEALs team that was sent in to help with this hostage situation. The two members being Iroquois Pliskin who looks a very suspiciously amount a lot like Solid Snake, and Peter Stillman, who is a bombs expert. Peter Stillman and Iroquois help Raiden disarm a lot of bombs that are along the big shell that won't cause an explosion. Um, unfortunately, Peter Stillman is killed by his old protege and a member of Dead Cell Fat Man, and this leads into the first real boss fight with Raiden, which is Fat Man. Um... So after you basically take down Fat Man, uh, you go through a bunch of more stuff. Uh, you find out, once again, like I said, Dead Cell's leader is calling him Solid Snake. Uh, he's fighting a Harrier, which is very reminiscent. So you have a quick boss fight with the Harrier, but it's more, uh, it's more cinematic than anything. Eventually, Solid Snake, or Pierquad uh, Pliskin, reveals that he is, in fact, Solid Snake, and that this man is not him. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> so, Salt Snake, once he reveals his cards, shows you to Otacon, and Otacon is now your new helper throughout the game. Um, so he leads you to President Johnson. That's right, the president was, was, uh, is being held hostage by a dead cell. So, uh, Ryden makes his way to the President Johnson, and Johnson just reveals a lot of stuff. 
the leader of Dead Cell is actually George Sears, who is the former, former president. And But his real name is Solidus Snake. He is a clone of Big Boss. And he has decided to go against the Patriots. So Ryan quickly asks who the Patriots are. And they are the secret, super secret Illuminati government secretly controlling the United States, all their decisions. And that the Big Shell is not actually a Big Shell. It's actually a housing facility for Arsenal Gear. And Arsenal Gear is a big submarine machine that houses another thing, which is an AI called GW. And GW is a Patriot AI. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of things going on. Um, unfortunately, before President Johnson can really explain more, Osla comes in and kills his ass. Uh, so after this, Ryan has to go rescue the computer programmer of the facility, which was Emma Emmerich. Uh, ironically, the stepsister of Otacon. So uh, once you get Emma, a bunch of stuff happens, and she basically says she's going to upload a virus to GW to disable the AI. Unfortunately, before she's able to succeed in this task, she is shot or stabbed or some shit, I forget, by Vamp. So you go into a boss fight with Vamp. Um, unfortunately, Emma succumbs to her injuries, but she is able to upload the virus, but not completely. I believe it's cut off ever so briefly. Um, so that's a total bummer. Uh, a bunch of other stuff happens, and you eventually meet another cyborg ninja who actually is Olga from the first boss fight. Uh, she's basically saying that she needs, uh, she has been sent here to do something because her child's in danger. Honestly, her plot isn't necessarily important except for the child. Her child's being held by um, the Patriots, and she is forced to work for them as a result. Anyway, unfortunately, Ryan's captured by Solidus Snake, where Solidus reveals that uh, Ryan was a child soldier that he raised himself during the Lib Librian Civil War. Um, so a bunch of other stuff happens, Ryan is able to escape, yada yada. Uh, Rose eventually comes on, oh yeah, one of you, I can't believe I haven't mentioned Rose this whole time, she's like constantly bugging you. So throughout this entire mission, uh, your contacts have of course been Colonel Campbell, um, but your mailing essentially has been Rose, who is Jack's girlfriend. Anyway, at this part of the game, Rose reveals to Jack that she's pregnant, and that also she is a Patriot spy as well. She was sent by the Patriots, ordered by them to uh, to become his lover and his confidant, so she could spy on him. Because they always had his, the Patriots always had their eye on Raiden, especially being a child soldier of Solidus. Um, I don't know how clearly make it if she actually had legit feelings for him or not, but that's always the impression I had is that she did actually develop feelings for Jack, and her love is genuine. Um, anyway, a bunch of other stuff, you eventually come across Fortune, where Snake battles Fortune for you while you take care of a lot of incoming Metal Gear rays. You shoot them down with rockets, it's made a bit easier by the fact that uh, Emma's virus is uploaded into GW and has caused a lot of corruption in the facility. Uh, what happens after that? Anyway... Yeah, so basically this one, towards the end, this is basically the end of the game. So, uh, Ryan and Snake, um, Ryan and Snake are captured and taken to the top of Arsenal by Solidus, uh, Fortune, and Ocelot. This is where Ocelot, uh, does a big triple heel turn and reveals that he's actually himself a Patriot agent and steals Metagreal Ray from Solidus. Solidus and Fortune are stunned. Ocelot reveals that this whole thing was the S3 pan, the Solid Snake simulation, whose goal was it to make a soldier as good as Solid Snake, thus everything in the game, like, vastly mirrored in a lot of ways, Shadow Moses. He had an incident where he had to, like, um, uh, investigate un uh, underwater th uh, to get into the facility. There's a bunch of hostages. All the members of Foxhound and Dead Cell have dumb gimmicks. There's a cyborg ninja as a third party involved. The only thing that wasn't accounted for was the actual solid snake making an appearance, which is why things turned out a little bit differently in different in different parts or whatnot. Um, so Ocelot kills Fortune because he's a total heel, but then he's possessed once again by the arm of Liquid Snake. He goes, brava, and then he just says, I'm going to kill the Patriots because fuck them. They can't control me. No one can control me. I'm my own man. So him in Ocelot's body takes control of Ray and just fucking pieces out. So Snake uh, is like, I'm going to go chase after Ocelot. And so he does. So this basically just leaves Solidus and Raiden. 
So, um, Arsenal loses control at this point because shit's going whack, the virus is causing stuff, and it crashes into Manhattan. This is when the game gets super ultra meta, and I can't really summarize this. Like, you should just go on YouTube to watch this. It's, like, fucking 15 minutes long. Uh, but the AI comes on to the the codec, and it's actually been Colonel Campbell and Rose the whole time. This is where it gets shit, shit gets really complicated. Because I don't know for sure if the Rose even speaking to the entire game has been the real Rose or not. Because she does show up physically at the end of this game. Or if she was the AI the whole time, like the one you're talking to now. Anyway, the AI is talking to you now. I believe it's actually JD AI, and they're just talking about how GW was destroyed, because Ryan's like, how are you talking? The AI was destroyed, and they said, only GW. There's still JD and all the other minor AIs. Anyway, they reveal to Ryan fucking everything. Uh, the S3 pan never was never about the Solid Snake simulation. That's just what they told Ocelot. It's actually the, what is it, Society for, the, what is it, uh, the Selection of Society something, uh, what's, I know I'm looking this up while I'm doing this because, uh, I want it, S3 plan, Metal Gear Solid 2, the Selection for Societal Sanity, and essentially this is them going on a big data filter to filter out trivial information that could halt the evolution of humankind into their next species. They, they go into, a, like I said, a lot of information about false truths, echo chambers, like a lot of things that became really relevant in the 2010s. Um, I read online that there was authors of books like decades before this that have also predicted these things, so it's not necessarily something new. But in a video game, to, to really explain these huge concepts to you is really wild especially when you play it for the first time in the 2010s, like me or Lee did, where a lot of it is really more relevant. Um, you know, the echo chambers thing is fucking wild. How uh, nobody's nobody's right, but everybody's valid and all this other stuff. It's like, it's fucking really weird. Anyway, after they say all that, they're basically saying like, we're controlling information. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. Even though JW's destroyed, it proves the success of our plan. Now we know we can fucking like, control people through subtle manipulation rather than outright orders. It's brilliant. Uh, so they order Ryan to eliminate Solidus, and Ryan's like, no, like, wow, I'm done following orders. And they're like, no, we'll fucking kill Olga's kid and, uh, <laughs> kill Olga's kid and Rose if you don't, like, do it. And this is when Ryan's like, is Rose even real? And they're just like, ah, <laughs> And so Ryan's forced to take down Solidus, and he does. So this was his plan. He's actually the good guy of all this. He's like, we're going to take down the fucking Patriots, release ourselves from the control, and have an actual America, the Sons of Liberty. He had, like, bad ways of going about it, of course, but his intentions were absolutely pure in that he wanted to get rid of the Patriots because they were controlling every aspect of everybody's life. Anyway, Snake appears here. He doesn't really comment on whether, like, he found... Uh, Ocelot, but he did get this data pad, essentially, that had all the founding members of the Patriots on it, or all the current members, I think. And him and Ocelot are going to use that eventually to track him down. This is where Ryan's, like, really questioning his fucking sanity and everything around him and what real, what's real and not. And Snake gives the famous uh, find the meaning behind the words fucking speech that everybody loves. Uh, the ending's very, um, like, because there was no intention to be a Metal Gear Solid 3, the ending is very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not a, like, solid plot stuff happening, it's a lot of loose concepts and themes and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, Rose shows up, Raiden doesn't, they don't, she doesn't say anything to Raiden, she's just fucking standing there, and Ryan's just looking at her, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? And I think this was Kojima's intention not to explain this. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, Solid Snake and some post-credit stuff. Solid Snake and Ocelot are like, let's let's track down these Patriots guys. And uh, they open it up and are like, okay, all 12 members have been dead for 100 years. What the fuck? So this is when it pretty much uh, solidifies, if, if anybody had theories of it at the time anyway, that the AIs are in control of the Patriots and there's no actual human members behind it anymore. Um... And I think that was, like, a, if that if the series did le leave off at that point, that'd be a really interesting point. Just, like, you're controlled by AI, and there's no there's nothing no one can do about it. Like, 
you can't kill your way out of this. Uh, in another another post credit scene, uh, that's actually about it. Actually, there's no post credit scene where Ocelot's doing like, "Yes, Mister President." No, Mister President. That's Metal Gear Solid Two. What a wild fucking game! Uh, I thought I did a better job this time of summarizing the story of Metal Gear Solid One. But yeah, like I said, it gets into some weird stuff. But uh, yeah, we're going to take it away now with me, Lee, and Nick going over uh, everything else. Well! <laughs> That's a hell of a story summary, Reed. <laughs> Why do you got to do that every time now? <laughs> because Paul White has signed with AEW, it's... and we're all very excited about it. Yeah, not as excited as we are to talk about Metal Gear Solid 2. No, before we go into Metal Gear Solid 2, is there, you, you were kind of remiss. Did you want to talk a little bit more about Gray Fox and Solid Snake or anything from uh, those first games? It, it, for the sake of time, no. I'm in the Metal Gear Solid 2 headset. I'm all fucked up on memes. Uh, we should just dive okay. right into it. So it, We're fucked up on memes, yeah, jeans and memes. So if you have any questions for me, feel free to hit me up. But otherwise, I can totally start to guide us through this uh, entire process if you'd like. Okay, well, here's... I'm just going to skim off the top okay. with some questions. All right. Okay. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this game historically. All right. Uh, when, the, when the trailer was released for this game, it was prior to the PS2 being released. Yes. So in the year 2000 at E3, they showed a trailer of this game. And, of course, it was mostly... It was, like, fucking 15 minutes long because Hideo Kojima... Nothing hits the ground floor. He puts it in the trailer. He keeps it there, and then he finds a like folk song that will last the whole the whole length. Yeah. Uh, so they showed mostly the ship sequence at the beginning with the rain and the soldiers yeah, the and tanker, snake. The tanker segment. The tanker segment. Yeah. Uh, so people were losing their fucking minds. Uh, they had never seen console graphics like this. The fucking weather effects. The textures. And this was all mind blowing. And in not the just and not just that. It was also psychological. You're playing a solid snake in his prime. You're taking down bad Russians while you're on a secret military ship to find a Metal Gear. It's everything right. a Metal Gear Solid One fan wanted in a sequel. Right. Uh, so. You, you know, the game comes out, the PS2 is released, the game comes out, and, uh, well, it's not regarded necessarily as a masterpiece at first, because people are very upset about the bait-and-switch, that after the tanker sequence with Solid Snake, you then play as Raiden. Who's like, <laughs> Rose, and yeah. <laughs> who's like, yeah, so, so not only is Raiden a uh, character that has is being introduced for the first time here... Uh, in terms of uh, temperament, in terms of the, look yeah. and everything, this is this is not the same character as Solid Snake. Yeah, Solid Snake has a beard and a bandana, and he smokes, and he's macho, and he's confident. Whereas Raiden is very timid and nervous. And he's very feminine in appearance and body type, especially. Whereas Snake is wearing a very robust suit with lots of pockets and, and, and gun hardware and stuff like that. Raiden's wearing like a skin-tight suit, essentially. Right. Uh, so he's sexy, you can't take your eyes off him, and that made you mad. Uh, no, so Salt Snake appears later in the game as another character named Pliskin, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that with the with the story. Uh, obviously, you, you realize pretty soon that, no, 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 you're in for the long haul here. Raiden is the main character of this game. How does this fit in with Metal Gear? Uh, and once you get over that, you realize, okay, so the big shell facility, and what you're doing moment to moment in gameplay here, uh, this, this is kind of the established norm for the rest of the series until we get to... Uh, v, even, I would say. Metal this is also four, I, I would say. Okay. Well, that's, you know. This is the last <laughs> time you're in a facility. This is the last time that the game is constrained to uh, a smaller map. Like right. This, but also, three, with four, but also with psychologically, the, ga the game of Metal Gear Solid 2 is supposed to mirror Metal Gear Solid 1, and that's the only reason, in my opinion, why you are in a facility. Right. Um... Yeah, and that I mean we're gonna get to all that with with how this game wraps up and, and what Raiden is and oh, uh, I mean the more specifically yeah I also mean more specifically Kojima's intentions with this game because uh, prior to this video game trailer release that you were talking about earlier Kojima was getting death threats from people for not continuing on with Metal Gear Solid essentially he wanted to pass it off to a new director from what I remember. Uh, but the new direct right. the new director was starting to get death threats because Kojima himself wasn't doing it, so Kojima brought himself back. So that's why this game has such a heavy leaning in into uh, fan expectations, what they have in their head versus what he has in his head for what Metal Gear Solid means to the series, and especially towards the end and what it means for the overall everything. So it, the, this whole game is like a weird fight between fans and Kojima. Yeah, and we talked about the beginning of the show here. 
Uh, I guess I'll have to splice that into the mega episode when we get there. But uh, in terms of storytelling, in terms of getting all these concepts out there, this is when I feel, in terms of Western audiences, that Kojima came into his own in terms of introducing... Like, he, he watched a movie... And it had a concept in it. He's like, well, that's going in my game. But there are already 13 other things he decided to go into his game. Uh, so you, not only do you get AI and the Patriots, you get uh, the the meme thing. You get the everything else uh, going on here. Yeah, meme and, thing, the yeah. political correctness, echo chambers, uh, misinformation, false news. Like, all this crazy shit that it won't, won't be relevant <laughs> for fucking 15 years. This is when people... Years. People always like, like, oh, could Kojima's some kind of fucking Nostradamus here? Like, he's predicting shit before it happens. It's just like, no, 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 he's he's reading and watching a lot, and he's throwing it all at the wall. Because you could also make a list of all the things that oh, this man not, is not predicting. Uh, not even yeah. that. Um, like I said in my story summary, there was other people that have written books and stuff before Kojima that predicted all of this happening in our digital age. Just because I'm assuming smart people can figure that out. They just know what's going to happen. So by all, accounts, <laughs> from, by all accounts from what I can read online, Kojima did not come up with all these prophetic no, no. things No, I, I wasn't implying that at all. But yeah. like, he, he put it all in this game and people are going to look at Death Stranding and be like, oh my god, Kojima knew COVID was going to happen. Yeah, Norman yeah. Reedus. Well, yes and no, because this is the only game and this is the only instance where anybody ever said Kojima is like, prophetic or anything. So, let's talk about Liquid. All right. And his arm. All right. And how it's attached to uh, Revolver Ocelot. Okay. How does this work? Okay, so... <laughs> you, now, you have to ask yourself two questions when you get to this part. Are we talking about, like, uh, before Metal Gear Solid 4 Kojima, or, like, he's writing Metal Gear Solid 4 Kojima? Because there's two very different answers here, okay? Yes. So this is, uh, of the era of Metal Gear Solid 2, we learn in this game that Ocelot is not a spy for the U.S. government, but he's an agent of the Patriots? He is an agent of the Patriots. He was never, like, a spy of the U.S. government, because when he was talking to the president for Metal Gear Solid 1, he was actually talking to George Sears, a.k.a. Solidus Snake, who at the time was still technically working for the Patriots. Um, okay. So anyway, in Metal Gear Solid 2, right, he has his arm cut off by the robot ninja in Metal Gear Solid 1, so... We all know this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, if we're taking ourselves in the time when Kojima was just writing this and he thought this was the last game, no one can, can say for certain what his thoughts were here. But you could say it was just, like, a thematic thing. Like, he wanted to make it that, like, Liquid's will is so powerful that it overtakes, like, the pawn that is Ocelot, because Liquid's such an individual, and that's where he gets his strength from. Uh, if you look at it in the context of Metal Gear Solid 4 being written, then it's very obvious at this point what happened, and that it was simply Ocelot's plan to trick the Patriots, so he purposely took Liquid's arm. Uh, okay, so... I got... This is where we gotta talk about this. Okay. So the Patriots are cool with Liquid Snake. No. Why would they then want one of their operatives to s splice an arm onto his because own? Because nobody then take in on... the fucking world, and even in this canon, thought, "Wow, an arm has a will of its own." <laughs> That's it. You're, right, but Ocelot is also able to switch between. Right, he's himself, and then Liquid okay. takes over. <laughs> okay, this is such a. I know this is where it gets really confusing. Okay, if we're talking about the whole series canonly, and this is sure. this will help you explain it easily. Okay. He did not yes. ask the Patriots' permission to put on Liquid's arm. He just fucking <laughs> did it, okay? Okay. He did not yes. He did not tell the Patriots about it. If the Patriots did know, they didn't see it as a big deal because it's just a fucking arm. It doesn't have a will of its own. And it right. doesn't. It, it would be... F <laughs> and, it doesn't have so a, that and it doesn't have a will of its own. It's just Ocelot using nanomachines and hypnosis on himself right. to convince himself that the arm has a will of its own and is taking over his persona at random intervals. The only okay, way so he could successfully trick the AI is to... It's to trick himself. It's to trick himself. So that's why it takes over him at random points. It, it, okay, there's but no, Ocelot's... There's no solid concrete at any point that Liquid taking over his body was planned. <laughs> what is Ocelot's ultimate goal in Metal Gear Solid, the whole series? To destroy the AIs, to, to free the world from their control, to create the ideal world that Big Boss wanted, which was a world... Which is also... Which is a world Solidus's goal. Uh, yes, which is a world unregulated... No, nah, yes and no. Which is a world unregulated by U.S. government. Solidus is different. He literally just wants to get rid of the Patriots so he can control the United States, essentially. 
Um, right. And even then, Ocelot had a misconstructed view of Big Boss's view, which is Big Boss just wanted a world where soldiers could be free from government control. And then Big Boss had an even more disconstructed view of the regular boss, who simply just wanted world peace. She wanted everybody to leave each other the fuck alone, and for nobody to do any more secret bullshit or anything like that. Right. So the whole game is based around uh, the the misconception of the boss's view, and Ocelot's is like a third-tier perversion of it at this point. He wants to, okay, he wants so- to destroy the AIs and plunge the world to a technological... Uh, ice age essentially he wants to s- dark age yeah, yeah he wants to set everything back so it's like the wild west and the strong will survive because that's what he thinks big boss wanted and that's not what he right. wanted big boss also didn't know what he wanted okay so ocelot has a perverted idea of of big boss's ideals and it, it, after big boss has passed on he is now well not passed on uh he is now trying to fulfill yes that goal as he perceived it yes exactly and in doing so, part of his plan is to attach Liquid Snake's arm to his own. Yes. And then using nanomachines and hypnosis to convince himself that he's crazy, to convince himself that Liquid is existing within his body. Yes, because... What is the failsafe? How does he <laughs> know Liquid doesn't take con- full control and do something completely out of left field? You just have to assume that he's a master of hypnosis and he knows how to regulate himself in the proper okay. way. Be- and, so- then, and then he needs to trick himself so he can trick the AI so they don't yes. think he is Ocelot any longer. I have to I have to brush up on why exactly he needed the AI to not think he was Ocelot anymore, but there was a reason behind that. <laughs> well, I just assumed he needed access to something the Patriots had, and if the Patriots sensed that he was plotting against them, obviously. But the part where he puts Liquid's arm on and then embodies Liquid seems like a detriment to that plan. It seems like if I wanted you to get to get you to trust me, and I showed up and I was a different guy. No, because uh, by referring the, to myself, because by the point of Metal Gear Solid Two, he was already planning to betray the the Patriots, and he does defect against the Patriots by the end of the game. This is fucking okay. So that I mean, we'll talk more about that in Metal Gear Solid Four, I guess, where he is the main adversary. Yeah, but you also have to consider Lee that this is all winging it, like like. Yeah, like around the time you said I have to assume or I have to just accept that. there is no good explanation is the part where Metal Gear Solid loses me and why I don't like 2 and 4 but I do like 3 and 5 I think 5 has way more of this dumb bullshit than than yeah but at least it's like it's like dumb for its own dumb sake whereas this is like no 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 this is building the universe there's there's a payoff to this in another game still to come yeah yeah, fair enough fair enough Uh, it's the way I see it anyway Uh, so okay that whole liquid arm thing it's the it's the nano machines. It's the what have you. There is a literal vampire in this game. There is a literal, not literal. He it's the nano machines. You're gonna hear okay, that. Okay, so lot. he's got he's got fangs. Yes. He can uh, he can climb walls. Yes. Uh, he's got super strength. This is all just nano machines. Of course, in Metal Gear Solid Two, we are not told any of this. We don't know about nano machines yet. Uh, yes, nano machines have been touched upon in Metal Gear Solid One. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a thing. I guess I. Because, like, I remember waltzing into 4 and being, like, the fight with Vamp. You learn that, oh, he's got nanomachines, so you hit him with the syringe that makes him fuck up. And then you just blast him in the face with a light machine gun for a little bit. Um. <laughs> so, uh, the other big thing this game brings to the table is first-person aiming. Uh, another thing is the Trank gun, uh, which completely changes up uh, how you approach gameplay and how you approach stealth situations in this game, in my opinion. Okay, wait, 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 um, wait, 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 wait. Fuck, I, I got wrong, okay. Oh no. So he did actually <laughs> have Liquid's arm on him, and it was actually controlling his will. We're going to get into crazy town here. Um. Okay, that, so, so that's what I thought, okay, because in Metal so, Solid 4, <laughs> the excuse is, no, 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 all that was made up, that was Ocelot doing it himself. I'm like, okay, so the, the arm never had magical powers okay, so, that took over his body. <laughs> so Metal Gear Solid 2, man, this discussion's going crazy. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2, the arm was Liquid's arm, and it did have a will of its own. Okay, From, like idle at hands. At some point after that, he took off uh, Liquid's arm, replaced it with a metal one. But he's like, hmm, like this, like the Patriots think I'm crazy and have defected. I guess this is a good opportunity to still make them think that I'm a crazy asshole. 
so they're not aware of my true plans. Oh, Ocelot, why? Yes, this... so he's like, this is a perfect opportunity for a crazy cover, so he puts on a robot arm and hypnotizes himself to things that he still has Liquid's arm, so the Patriots still think he's Liquid, so they're not really worried about him, even though they should be, because he's secretly fucking everything up. That's really dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. I don't understand why he had to hypnotize himself. Okay, so it's retcon then. It's like, okay, the the arm that takes you over is a little too crazy, but since everybody thinks that anyways, now Ocelot can somehow use that to his advantage. Yeah, I, I'm trying uh, to then, remember what exactly the advantage is here of making the AIs think you're secretly Liquid Snake, because Liquid Snake is still a high-priority target to kill. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. He's an enemy of them. Why would you parade... But, but Ocelot putting that arm on, if you're saying that there is magical... It's like the fucking hat that they put on uh, Frosty to turn him real. Uh, he put on this arm not knowing uh, that the will of this man is so strong. <laughs> it really has so many questions. It's like there's so many arms to choose from. Okay, but then there's one. also Fox Die, yes. uh, which, which Liquid had. Yeah. And then there's also Nanomachines. So it's not hard to believe, not unlike the chip in Cyberpunk... That attaching the arm allowed whatever blood was die. left to flow in. <laughs> but the yeah, fox, fox die, die to flow only, into the Ocelot. fox die would only. But in that theory, the fox die would only attack liquid cells, so it would rot the arm. But Ocelot himself would be <laughs> fine because fox die right. wouldn't target him. At that point, you have to wonder if liquid's blood would cross with Ocelot's blood and become liquid Ocelot blood. Look, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> What if Ocelot then cut off his other arm and gave that to somebody else? <laughs> that three exists. dudes? <laughs> Is his will so powerful that you could like attach a pinky and you would eventually like just yell out like brother at that's people? No, that's ridiculous. An arm is I think as small as we can like yeah, like a okay, nutsack. I don't or, think like... I think we might have to vote another week. It'll be good for Oh no, Nick, absolutely. Actually. But th- but these are the questions that when we said we were gonna talk about Metal Gear Solid, I needed to dig into. Yeah, we didn't uh, even talk about like we didn't even talk about like the gameplay, the changes to hanging, no. uh, the layout of the big shell facility or anything. So I think another week will be need to be devoted to Metal Gear Solid. Oh, absolutely. Too. Because this arm, yeah, I want to talk about this arm yeah, business ahead. is is fucking crazy. I'm trying to remember what his goal was with tricking the AI, like crazy. Okay, so that's that's your homework because you won't now have to record. Let's say let's not record the Snake Eater uh, story synopsis. Next week will be like a catch up yeah. on everything we want to do, and you can go research Revolver Ocelot and 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 intricately let us know his plan because I now I don't have it right in my head. I thought the whole time he was faking it. I thought the whole time he was faking it too, but apparently at some point he wasn't, and he's he just thought it was a good opportunity. I wonder if Hideo Kojima even knows where Ocelot begins and Liquid, liquid ends. <laughs> he probably because uh, we didn't even talk about Solidus or anything in this game. Yeah, yet, I know. So. Uh, all right, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Leatisiceberg.com is my email address. Send questions, topics. If it's cool, we'll talk about it on the show. If you want to check out Reed on Twitch, I assume he's still doing that. Bonestorm Dorse is uh, where you can go. Go check him out. And that's going to do it for the show. Look for Sultans of Slam uh, coming up this weekend. And, uh, of course, we'll be back again next week with another public beta podcast. Thank you for signing up for myself, Lee, and for Reed. We'll talk to you again next week.